I've been studying this week on the image of God, the glory of God, the idea of the fact that God made man in his image and that Christ came in the image of man and, and how the the glory of God that we see and as we as we go with unveiled faces to, to Jesus and to God and let his glory shine on us that we're changed from glory to glory into his image and made more like him. But then last night as I was studying, I... The, the Spirit really led me to talk about something else for this week, and so I'll continue studying on the image and, and share a message on that in the future. But uh, for today, we'll, we'll look at Romans uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 19, and, and we'll talk about grace, we'll talk about law, talk about the freedom that comes from the Spirit of God, and we'll proclaim freedom today. Uh, Galatians talks about how it is for freedom that Christ set you free. 27 years ago, 1984, January 1st, was on a Sunday as well. Now, the reason I know that is because I looked it up last night because 10,192 days ago was February 5th of 1984, and that was a Sunday also. It was the sixth week of that year. Well, why is that important to me? Because that was the day that I gave my heart to the Lord. I came forward in church at Calvary Assembly of God, and I walked forward down the aisle, and I surrendered myself to God because God had made himself real to me you know I was doing my own thing I was fine I was comfortable in the life I was living a uh, life of sin life of, of selfishness pride all those things but I was okay with it I wasn't miserable I wasn't at the bottom of the barrel I wasn't looking for God my parents were attending an Assembly of God church where the Spirit of God moved. There would be tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. And the Spirit of God would speak through these people I didn't even know and talk directly into my life in a way that I couldn't deny. I was like, oh, wow, God is real. I knew about God growing up because I grew up in the Catholic Church. Bibles were around and people talked about God and heard sermons about God and stuff. But he wasn't real to me. But then when he spoke to me, to my spirit, to my mind, to my heart, through these other individuals, through tongues, interpretation, tongues of prophecy, I was like, wow, he's got my number. <laughs> he knows who I am. I resisted for a while. But on February 5th, 1984, I thought, man, I just can't resist anymore. I might as well surrender to him because he's real. And he messed me up. <laughs> what do you do when you find out that God's real? But what do you do when you find out there is a living God and he wants to have a relationship with you? And you look at the glory of God, you look at the holiness of God, you look at the power of God, you look at the, the splendor of God. We sang about it today, you know, he sets the stars and the moon, the sun, all the universe that's out there, the, the various galaxies, and I mean, there's just multiple planets, all the things he holds together, the smallest little atom and the, the neutrons and the electrons and all the things he's holding together. And you think, he wants to have a relationship with me? You got the wrong guy, God. <laughs> you can do better than that. Any of you ever thought that? You can call somebody else. Call me. Choose me. Want to fellowship with, not only fellowship with me, but live inside of me. You can find a better tent to live in, God. There's healthier people out there. There's better looking people. Well, maybe not better looking than me. But, um, there's better looking people out there. They're stronger, smarter. Change you know, to make you better. Yeah, he can change this, can he? Into his image, into his likeness. Wow. And and then we we look at Romans chapter three, verse nineteen, and 
And I thank God for what happened 10,192 days ago. And uh, I'm glad. I'm glad I did that. Any of you glad you ever made a surrender to It was a good decision. And after this 27 years, <laughs> I have finally come to a point these last few weeks where I finally kind of understand the gospel. I finally kind of understand. I have a grasp a little bit on it. Now, I think I can start proclaiming it. I finally believe I'm ready to start preaching the gospel, start teaching the gospel, start walking in the gospel, because I finally kind of understand it. I finally got a grasp on it. It's simple. <laughs> it's not complicated. But I go to church, and I've been going to church, and I listen to all the voices out there. <laughs> and some of them make it complicated. <laughs> And there's different things. They say different things and different ones. And there's different theologies. There's different doctrines. There's different denominations. There's different understandings, different traditions. And I listen to the different ones. And, you know, it takes a while to kind of filter through all that and get down that straight and narrow road. But, man, I thank God that we are in a new day, in a new time, in a new year, in a new working of God's Spirit. Last night at 12 o'clock, the wind started to blow so strong, I was still awake at 12. <laughs> and it was blowing so strong and Springfield, and I thought, praise God, the Spirit of God is blowing this year, and I just want to be part of it. The, the, the wind blows wherever it wants to, and we don't know where it comes from. We don't know where it's going. Yeah, Charlotte's proclaimed it time and time again, time for revival. Spirit of God is blowing, but we can see the results of the wind. We can see the flags move with the trees bend and stuff, and the wind is blowing here. <laughs> it's time to jump on board. This is daylight time. This is a new day. This is a new beginning. This is a time to rejoice for what God's doing. But wait a minute, God. I got some problems here. It's okay. He'll take you through it. He'll transform you. But you got to be set free first. And so we look at the Romans chapter 3, verse 19, and look at, look at what the, the problem is. Look at what the situation is. Look at where we are and, and understand this. And if we can get this into our hearts and our minds and our spirits and walk in it, we can have such victory. In verse 19 it says, Now we know, and I read from the NIV version, that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of sin. And here, and, and in Romans, it's such a powerful book. I would love to just sit down and just go through the whole thing, man. And just spend a whole day going through a book of the Bible. Maybe we should do that sometime. <laughs> here you have where he talks about it. He's saying, the law is for those that are under the law. Now, are we under the law? No. Not at all. Who was under the law? Jewish people were under the law, weren't they? How did they do with that? How did that work out for them? The Savior came, the fulfillment of the law, and what did they decide? I don't want anything to do with him. Let's kill him. We have no king but Caesar. We don't want, we don't want this. Yeah, it didn't work out too good. And as a matter of fact, it says that the whole world was held accountable to God. Even those that had the law, had the promises, had the covenant, had the angels ministering, had the deliverance, had the victories, had all these things, they're held accountable to the law. And if you break one law, you're guilty of the whole law. All the world's accountable. There is none righteous, no, not one. Just a little bit earlier it says that. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you want to use the law to justify yourself, if you want to use the law 
as your measuring stick, as your checklist, as your way of salvation, as your way of righteousness, you will fail. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. We don't walk by the law. Christ fulfilled the law. When you try to walk by the law, when you try to hold yourself accountable to a law, you are rejecting Christ. Because salvation comes by faith. Faith in Christ who is the fulfillment of the law. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that He nailed the law to the cross. Leave it there. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be righteous. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't be holy. As a matter of fact, what it means is He makes us righteous through our relationship with Christ, so that now, that righteousness that's inside of us can start to move out into our lives. One of the ways that I was listening to a preacher this week that, that really had a good illustration, he said, you know, there's so many churches where if a drunk comes in, an alcoholic comes in, he would be welcomed and loved, and they say, oh man, you know, brother, you know, Jesus loves you, and he wants you to give your life to the Lord and just love him. And if he gives his life to the Lord, a few weeks later, if he comes in and he's drunk, they would say, oh, what's the matter with you? Why aren't you walking away from that? Why aren't you leaving that? And they would say, oh, Jesus doesn't love you anymore. And they would take it away, and they'd start to hold the law over his head. And start to say, well, why aren't you righteous? Why aren't you, why aren't you walking away from that? Why haven't you stopped doing that? Why are you, and hold them to a law now. And it's almost as if in many churches and in many ways and many believers, and I've seen it, i experienced it, I was taught it, that God loves you until you become a Christian and now, boy, you better watch what you're doing. You better, oh, you made a mistake. Now God doesn't love you anymore. Oh, well, what? You, you did that? Oh, well, God's rejecting you. But you went, oh, look out. Guilt, condemnation, bondage, law. That's why that verse was speaking so strong to you, that, that message you had, Elsie, today, because the enemy is trying to put guilt, condemnation, hold you down in bondage and say, it's all about you. You're wrong. You did it wrong. You're not doing it right. You're not, that's why there's problems. And that's not true. It's a lie from the enemy. You are righteous. You are a saint of God. You are a royal priest in the house of God. You are anointed by God to do good works that he prepared in advance for you to do. And you will walk in victory. And we will all walk in victory in health and power and love and a sound mind because of that spirit that's inside of us, that life that's inside of us. By one man, death entered into the world. But thank God that by one man, life entered into the world. One transgression, one wrong decision, Adam chose not to believe God. And that's what it really was. It was a rejection of faith. And he said, no, you know what, God? I don't believe if I eat of this tree, I'm going to die. I don't believe that. I believe this other guy here. <laughs> he said, if I eat of it, I won't die. I'll become like you. I believe that. Believe the lie instead of believing the truth. And when he ate, we all died. How did we all die? Because we were all inside of Adam at that time. Every one of our seeds was in him. And death has reigned. But how much more victorious is the glory of Christ and the resurrection of the dead because by one man, all this multitude of sin, every single sin we have committed in the past, in the present, and the future are covered by the blood of Jesus. Boy, that was a hard one for me to accept. I couldn't because I was learning, I was being mentored by, I was reading so many that talked about more of a law. They wanted to have 
this righteousness, this sinless perfection that would come out because of our relationship with God, but they would put rules, regulations. For some of them, you know, it was women better wear a dress, you know, or they better have long hair. You can't have makeup. You know, men better dress in a suit. or You know, all these different rules, regulations, you know. Well, you know, I don't drink, I don't cuss, and I don't chew, and I don't hang out with those that do, but I will judge them. You know, and they have their own little standards and then judge everybody else, hold the law to everybody else, and the Bible clearly states we can't do that. We can't walk in that. We need to walk in freedom and victory. I'm glad you said that. My hubby was sad before he gave his life to the Lord, and now when he, I'm not judging, Lord, but he says, this is not, they're not doing, you know, something's not right or whatever. Because uh-huh. I'm not judging them, Lord. <laughs> yeah, that hit home right there. Yeah, praise the Lord. That's not even left easy, though. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus clearly states, he said, listen, your righteousness has to supersede, be greater than that yeah. of the scribes and Pharisees. Well, listen, if, if we use that as our standard, we ain't going to make it, okay? Because they were very righteous. Oh, I know, they killed Jesus. Yeah, 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 yeah. They rejected him. But listen, they were very righteous. They followed the law. They had, a gnat was the smallest creature that was unclean. It was this little, little thing. And they would have like a little screen that would, they put over their cup to protect it so that the gnat couldn't get in. You know, they'd strain the gnat. Jesus said, but they swallowed the camel. <laughs> they would stay away from unclean. They would whitewash the tombs so that they wouldn't accidentally go where there was unclean body. You know, there was dead because that's unclean. You know, they'd be very careful. But then when someone's beaten on the road, what do they do? They walk on the other side and leave them. It was a Samaritan that came and helped that one. Yeah, and they were righteous, though. Boy, they would give. As a matter of fact, they would give so much they could blow trumpets and say, Hey, I'm giving. They would pray. Oh, man, would they pray. All the time they would pray. And they would have beautiful prayers. Oh, to listen to their prayers, you would think, Oh, it's the tongue of angels talking. Listen to the way they pray. Oh, they say all the right words. They, they have a rhythm. Oh, it sounds so beautiful to hear them pray. They had long phylacteries. They had these things that they wore, and it looked so nice when they prayed. And Jesus said, you know what? You can blow your trumpet. You can give all this wealth to the, to the temple. But that woman there that gave those two little copper little pennies, she gave more than all of you. Because she gave out of her lack. And you, you give out of your abundance. But they were righteous. They prayed. What did they pray? They prayed things like, God, I thank God I'm not like these sinners over here. <laughs> oh, God, I fast twice a week. You know, I pray, I give, I help. I'm in the temple. Don't go away justified, though. Thank God that Jesus was obedient for us. Thank God that Jesus has justified us. Thank God that he is everlasting, everlasting so that he continues to just, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he forgave your sins when you confessed him, he's forgiven your sins today. He's forgiven your sins for tomorrow. Don't let that guilt get a hold of you. That condemnation, that's, it's, it's the enemy, totally the enemy. He wants to bring darkness over us. He wants to cover us. He wants to uh, hinder us. He wants to hold us back. Don't do it. There's sin in your life. There's sin in my life. It's okay. Accept that righteousness of Christ and you know what? As you walk in that victory, as you walk 
in that strength, as you walk in that love of God and know that no matter what, He loves you, you'll be able to walk away from those things. It'll be so much easier. That law of the flesh, that, that sin that's alive in your flesh that you're battling with so much, don't focus on that. Focus on the Spirit. See, religion wants you to focus on the law. Religion wants you to focus on your sin. Religion wants you to focus on your flesh. But God wants you to focus on the Spirit, on life, on Him, on Jesus, on victory, on strength, on deliverance, on healing, provision, health. He's our Savior. <laughs> saves us from ourselves. <laughs> saves us from our sin. Saves us from death. Saves us from the world. Saves us from the enemy. Saves us from darkness. Brings us into His eternal kingdom of light. What doesn't He save us from? <laughs> Praise the Lord. He's our Savior. And He's unified. He's a unifier. He's the one that brings us all together into one body of, of many people. He has made one body of which He is the head. And the enemies are being placed under his feet. And when that last enemy is destroyed, which is death, it's all over. And you know what Jesus is going to do? With all of his victories, with all of his glory, with all of his authority, you know what he's going to do? He's going to turn it back over to the Father. Say thanks. And the Father's going to say, job well done. Enjoy your bride. Let's have a party. <laughs> Let's have a wedding supper. And if any of you are allergic to any food, this is my own doctor in here, this is my own theology. If you're allergic to any food, that's the first thing you'll be able to eat at the wedding supper of the lamb, if you like it. <laughs> All them allergies are gone. If there's food that you like that gives you indigestion or something, it won't there. It'll all be there. All the best. It'll be there. And he's our sanctifier. You see, sanctification is something that we receive from him. We are sanctified in Christ. And because we are sanctified in Christ because we are justified, because we are glorified in Him, then we can start walking in that sanctification. It's not something we have to do. It's something He's already done. And because of that, now we can walk. And often, again, religion, we get it backwards. And, and that law comes in, and we don't know how to walk in the Spirit. And, and I know for myself, for years, you know, man, I was the most miserable when I was trying to do this whole Oh, i got to be holy. Oh, the minute I sin, I'm going to lose my salvation. You know, this kind of a, a totally wrong and imbalanced idea. Oh, I just, oh, I fell from grace. Oh, now i got to repent again. Now i got to get saved again. You know, no, no, no. Is his blood that weak? Is he that unable? I'm saved this second, but now two seconds later, I'm not. Really? He can't do that? He can't keep us saved? He can't keep us washed in his blood? That's just lies of the enemy. Don't take it. Don't have that burden. Burdens are from the enemy. Jesus has a yoke for us that's light. Burden that's light. It's not heavy. It's easy. Because he did it. And because he did it, then we can walk in righteousness. Well, uh, verse 21. But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ. To all who believe, there is no difference. Thank God. We all have a righteousness in Christ through faith. What do you need for righteousness? Faith. What do you need to be justified? Faith. What do you need to be saved? Faith. What do you need to be healed? Faith. What do you need for prosperity? Faith. What do you need for health? Faith. 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 Faith in what? Faith in who? Jesus. God. How do you want to say it? 
scripture. You know, it's all it's all one. <laughs> the Word became flesh. Faith in Him. Faith in His death. That by His stripes we're healed. That we can walk in victory. Don't burden yourself with law. Walk in freedom this year. Walk in victory this year. Walk in life. Walk in life. Walk in freedom. It's okay. He knows. When He called you, He knew. When He saved you to begin with, He knew. He knew the things you were going to do. He knew the words you were going to speak. <laughs> he still called you. He still saved you. He's still with you every step of the way. He still loves you. He doesn't turn his back on you. He never turns his back on you. Never turns his back on you. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Look it up. It's in the Bible. <laughs> Verse 23. Or did I do 22? Yeah. Verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You know, I hear this one quoted a lot. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Anybody, anybody ever hear that one quoted? Do you ever hear the next part of it quoted? Because it goes together. Doesn't it? I mean, and? I mean, that's not really a break in the thought, is it? Right? <laughs> and... I better read that again. And are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. Lots of people want to talk about how, oh, we all fall short of the glory of God. Oh, we all sin. Yeah, but we're also justified freely by His grace. And isn't that the point? <laughs> yes, you've fallen short. But the point is, we're justified freely by His grace. Faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Thank God that we have preachers of the word. <laughs> Amen. I enjoy it. <laughs> I love listening to preachers. I listen to them all the time. And there's some good ones out there. Even if you don't have one here, it's okay. <laughs> Justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this, and this is important, right? He's telling us why God did this. He did this to demonstrate his justice. Because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. So there was sins that were not punished that that wouldn't be just, would it? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Cain killed his brother in cold blood. I mean, talk about a cold-blooded murder of his brother, of his younger brother. Someone he watched grow up, someone he was with, a friend that he played with and stuff. And now, because God accepted his brother, he's like, oh, and he kills him? When Noah comes out of the ark and God's talking to Noah, he says, you know what? If any man sheds blood, his blood needs to be shed by, shed by man. Why? Because man was created in God's image. And it's wrong to take a man's life. Why didn't he kill Cain? His sin wasn't put on him. His sin wasn't held to him. That's not just. But because Jesus died for our sins, even for Cain's sins, he could let Cain continue to walk alive. And after all, there was no law at that time that said you can't murder. Cain was never told, at least not that we record in Scripture. The only law that was there before that was don't eat of the tree. They broke that law. They weren't killed. An animal was killed instead. God was working in mercy 
all the while, all along, the mercy's not a new thing. Look at David, David even, a man after God's own heart, he says, you know, sacrifice and offerings. No, he's like, he's like, you want a broken and a contrite heart. He understood a book. You read about his sin with Bathsheba and his repentance and, and all those things and how he was broken before God and all that. You don't read about him making a bunch of sacrifices. You don't read about him bringing a bunch of goats and all these things. He understood that God was looking for a broken and a contrite heart. That he was looking for someone that was looking at the mercy of God, at the justice of God, and, and saying, God, I know what I deserve, but please give me mercy. And he went to God for mercy, and he understood that by faith in God. And he was justified, a man after God's own heart. He didn't make more sacrifices than everybody else. He came to God broken. He still faced consequences. But here you have, and here God is saying, man, you know, even those sins weren't punished. Uh, along the way, then, as the law came, then there was more of a, a holding. You know the, the first person that was killed because of the law? Do you know what he did? Anybody remember? The law comes, and a man goes out, and he picks up sticks so that he can make a fire to cook some food on the Sabbath. And they go, oh, what do we do now? And they, they inquire of God, and God says, kill him. Last week he did it, and it was okay. Why isn't it okay this week? Because now you have the law. See, without the law, sin's not imputed. But now that the law came, it was imputed. As a matter of fact, it says, the law came to make us conscious of sin. Paul talks about later in Romans where he says, once the law came, sin sprang to life. I didn't even know what coveting was, but then the law came. All of a sudden, now I'm coveting everything. What's going on? Sin became alive. And the more sin became alive, the more grace and mercy came alive. And the more that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection means to us, because all the sins of the world are covered by Jesus. Hitler, Mussolini, these different ones, all these different Caesars that came along, killing Christians, all the different things they did, their sins were forgiven by God if they would have accepted it by faith. They didn't. They'll pay the consequence. I've heard it said before, there's only really one sin now, not believing in Jesus Christ. <laughs> you believe in Him, man, and you're forgiven. There's freedom in that. Do we go on sinning that grace abounds? No, God forbid! But you are free. So beforehand they were unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time, so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. Thank God He justifies us. He calls us. He blesses us. He sanctifies us. But where then is boasting? Verse 27. It is excluded. Can you boast about it? No. Why? Because on what principle? On that of observing the law? No. But on that of faith. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, the Gentiles too. Since there is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith, do we then nullify the law by faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. How do we uphold the law by faith? Because we understand Jesus as the fulfillment of the law. Because of his obedience, because of his walking, every step of the way, doing exactly what needed to be done. He came in our image. He came in flesh. He was not a high priest that isn't able to do what needs to be done. He ever intercedes for us before the Father, and He knows our trials. He was tempted in like ways that we are. He had the same experience as us growing up in a world of darkness, growing up in a world of religion all around Him, and yet He walked that straight and narrow path of obedience to the Father. 
And because of his obedience, we are justified, we are saved, we are sanctified. And now, because of that, we can allow that to slowly, gradually, sometimes quickly, depends, I guess, transform our lives. Help us to walk in freedom and victory. Help us to walk away from sin. But if we focus on sin, if we focus on flesh, we're going to constantly be in bondage. We don't need to focus on sin and flesh. We don't need to even focus on the enemy. We need to focus on Christ. Draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. Submit yourself to God. Then you resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. You go to him first, always first. Don't get the flesh in the way. In Romans 8, 28, it says that we know that all things, I got it memorized in the King James, but it's in the NIV, I'm reading it. So, And we know that in all things, God works for the good, to those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That's one that we know too for, we know that all things work together for good, to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And then a lot of people don't know the next verse, verse, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he called, those he called, he justified, those he justified, he glorified. And the neat thing about it is, here's the one, you know, and it's a verse, again, it's another verse that we're familiar with, you know, for all things work together to good. Those who love God. You know, we've all probably heard that verse quoted or mentioned, or, you know, when we're going through hard times, you know, when we're going through difficulties, when there's death in the family, there's problems with uh, circumstances around us, financial, whatever. Oh, but brother, you got to understand, all things work together for good. Sister, all things work together for good. But look at the, the verses before that. It's so neat because I don't think a lot of times people put it in the context, and it really ties in with what John was sharing earlier about prayer. In verse 26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Can I paraphrase it? Pray in the Spirit, and all things will work together for good. Because, God loves you. He knows what you need. He knows what you're going through. He knows how to work it out. Let His Spirit pray through you. As a matter of fact, let His Spirit grow inside of you. As a matter of fact, let His Spirit be a guide and a walk in your life. As a matter of fact, live your life according to your Spirit, and then you won't gratify the deeds of your body, your flesh, sin. Sin won't rain. And if you want a little bit more on that, why not? It's such a good part, and we've looked at it before. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to this? I like questions like that. What should we say? All things work together for good. The Spirit will intercede for us. His Spirit's inside of us. We need to let Him bring those groanings out, those words that can't be uttered. Pray in tongues. Pray in the Spirit. Pray with understanding. Pray! <laughs> That's a good message for me. That's one I'm not real good at. I'm not an interceder like, like uh, Sue is. <laughs> That's not an area that I've ever been real strong on or anything. That's a good message for me. Pray. Use your word. Let the Spirit... You don't know what to say? The Spirit knows what to say. He might wake you up at 5 in the morning. If he does, just start praying. You don't know what to pray? Pray in tongues. He knows what to pray. And you know what then? All things work together for good. So then what should we say about this? Elsie, what should we say? If God 
If God be for us, who can? If the creator of all that is seen and unseen is on your side, who can win a victory over you? That's it, isn't it? The victory the enemy has in our lives, the doubt, the fear, the guilt, the condemnation, the insecurities, all these things, is because we allow it. It's because of hardness of our heart, lack of faith. That's okay. We're in good company, right? Peter was one of those. Jesus said to him, Oh, you little faith. He even went to him and said, Get behind me, devil. <laughs> After he had confessed him as Christ. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Spirit of God a little bit later. Get behind me, devil. We're in good company. We're in good company. It's okay. Let's let faith reign. Let's grow in faith. Let's grow in victory. Let's grow in... Let's do things like listening only to Christian music, reading our Bibles more, learning more about it. And, and, and memorize scripture. Don't just memorize a verse, but memorize what it means. Understand what it means. Look at it. It's not just the words. It's, it's the principles. It's what's happening. And again, just like we looked at some of these that, were, that are common ones that are quoted, yeah, put it in context. Go find that verse. You got a verse that God's spoken to you through your life various times or something, and it's really been an encouragement to you. Uh, many of you have that. Maybe all of you have something like that. Have you ever just sat down and looked at it in the book that it's in and then look at the the paragraph before and after, kind of expand out, read that whole book, and put it in the context and say, oh man, God wants to say a little bit more to you about that verse. Go a little deeper. What to say after that? What to say before that? Expand it. Learn about it. Grow in it. You'd be surprised. There's a little bit more in Scripture than what you know, even if you win on Thursday nights. <laughs> Chris, even if you win on Thursday nights, there's still some more. Praise God. Okay, so, so it is God who justifies. He who did not spare his son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? All things. He's going to give us. He's going to, who can bring any charge, verse 33, against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he conde that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. The only person that can condemn you is Jesus Christ. And when he was on the cross, when you nailed him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And you know what else? He is forever alive, same yesterday, today, or forever. He's at the right hand of God. That's a pretty good place to be, don't you think? The right hand of God. You got the ear of God, right hand. And what's he doing there? Ever interceding for you. <laughs> He's ever interceding for you. Sue's not the only one praying for you. <laughs> Chris isn't the only one. <laughs> John, you got other ones backing you up. Jesus, ever interceding for you. Who can accuse you? Nobody. Who tries to accuse you? Okay. The enemy. He's called the accuser of the brother. And what is it? He sits there, accuses, 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 accuses. He comes and tells you, you're no good. You did wrong. What's the matter with you? You're not smart. All these things. Don't listen to that. Listen to Jesus ever interceding for you, ever loving you. He's the only one to condemn you, and he didn't. Accept it. Just believe. That's it. That's the faith. Jesus forgives me. Whatever, whatever you've done, Whatever you're doing, whatever you're going to do, you're forgiven. Don't take it lightly. He already knew what we were going to do. Yeah. He's already forgiven. He's there. 
He's in the past. He's now. He's in the future. You go do something really unintelligent. <laughs> he's there. Five years from now, ten years from now, he's there. And you know what he's going to say? You're forgiven. But you got to accept it by faith. Don't accept the guilt. Don't accept the condemnation. Because verse 35, and this is what we'll close with, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? That's a pretty good question. That's something that we should know. Who, who could separate us from the love of Christ? Well, let's, let's look at it. Shall trouble? Trouble? Anybody you have trouble? I have trouble. <laughs> John doesn't have any trouble. <laughs> How about hardship? Hardship? Hardships are out there. Persecution? Sometimes persecution. I don't know. We don't have it that much in this country, but sometimes like family members or something like that can persecute us. They don't like what we're doing. Famine. Hmm. That's probably not any of us. No famine. Uh, nakedness? No, thank God. Nobody's naked here today. Praise the Lord. If you don't have clothes, we've got some. Just let us know, please. We'll get you some. If it doesn't fit, we'll find something else. We don't want you naked. Danger? There's dangers all around us. No telling when someone's texting when they go down the road. It might hit you. Who knows? Drunk driver out there. Sword? Probably don't have a lot of that. Guns, knives. I don't know. It's possible. As it is written, for your sake we face death all the day long. We are considered sheep for the slaughter. And you think about Paul writing this. I mean, he understood that. Considered sheep for the slaughter. I mean, from the time he gave his heart to the Lord, they were trying to kill him. They'd lower him down out of the wall in a basket, you know. And they would stone him, leave him for dead, and uh, beat him, whip him, all these things that they did. I mean, you got to understand this verse for him really spoke wonders, you know. For all day we are lambs for the slaughter. Maybe he doesn't speak as loudly for us, but he understood it for sure. But then he goes on to say in verse 37, No, none of this stuff is going to separate us. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Why are we conquerors? Because he loved us. But why are we victorious? Because he loved us. Why can we walk in health? Because he loved us. Not only did he love us, but he does love us. He continues to love us. He's ever interceding for us. In verse 38, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future. Don't even worry about the past. <laughs> present? Is the present going to separate you from God? Whatever the situation you're in, is it going to separate you from the love of Christ? What about what's going to happen tomorrow? Oh my goodness, what's going to happen tomorrow? Do we know what's going to happen tomorrow? Tomorrow's evil will take care of itself. <laughs> Whatever is going to happen is going to happen. Can I tell you that? It's going to happen. But he's ever interceding for us. We can intercede. The spirit inside of us can pray. We can change the future. We can change the present. We can be more than conquerors. None of that stuff can separate us from the love of God. None of that stuff can, can endanger us. Not the future. Nor any powers. What kind of powers? None of them. All the powers, none of them can separate us from Christ. Neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Nothing in all of creation, you know why? That's the key right there, all of creation. It's all created. He's the creator. And if the creator loves you, creation cannot interfere. The enemy is a created being. Your enemies are created beings. Your family that doesn't like you, they're created beings. Money is a created thing. 
All these things are created. They cannot separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord because He is the creator of all things. He is the first and the last. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He ever lives at the right hand of God the Father where He is seated. All His enemies are under His feet. Yet we haven't seen them all subjected yet because death is still here. But when death is finally destroyed, He'll turn it over to the Father and we will rule and reign with him forever in the presence of God. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, Father, that you sent your Son down to die for us. And Father, because you did not spare your Son, we know that you will freely give us all things. Father, I thank you for this new year. I thank you for this new life you've given us. I thank you for your Spirit and your presence. I thank you for the revival and the spiritual power that is sweeping through this land and through this town and through our lives. Father, let us receive by faith a fresh touch of your Spirit. Let us receive by faith a moving of your Spirit inside of us, a life inside of us. Let us receive by faith, Father, freedom and victory and deliverance from the law. Help us, Father, to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Help us, Father, to focus on the Spirit and not on the flesh. Help us, Father, to focus on freedom and not on the law. And thank you that the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Father, that we do not have to walk in death any longer, but we can walk in life. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to walk in darkness any longer, but we can walk in light. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to walk in sickness anymore, but we can walk in health. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to walk in guilt and condemnation, but we can walk in victory. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to walk in bondage anymore, but we can walk in freedom. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to thirst anymore, but we can come to you, Jesus, as a living water and be a spring inside of us, welling up inside of our souls and flowing out to the others. Thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to hunger anymore or thirst because we can eat of your flesh and drink of your blood. Thank you, Jesus that you have given us all things. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't hold back. Thank you, Jesus, that every drop of blood was shed for each and every one of us. Let us always value your blood, esteem your blood, proclaim your blood, proclaim your death and resurrection until you return. And thank you, Jesus, that you are now preparing a place for us to dwell in eternity. Let us not focus on the things of this world, but on the things of the world to come. And I thank you, Jesus, that you will return again. And now those that are dead in you will rise to meet you in the air. And then those of us that are alive and remain will rise up in triumph and victory. And thank you, Jesus, that there's still time for the harvest to be brought in. Lord of the harvest, send harvesters, because the harvest is ripe, and we're ready. Thank you, Jesus.